Em, can you believe we are in our third season of Interview Boss? Not really. It's crazy. But that means there are over 90 episodes we've made. (gasps) Oh my God. Scrolling through all of our episode titles, you might miss an episode that actually is exactly what you're looking for. Yes, we get so many messages of people asking us to do an episode on something and we're like, we already have. So we've put together playlists to help you find the episodes that are best suited to you. If you're applying for jobs, we have episodes about resumes, cover letters and job ads. If you've been offered your dream job, we have episodes on resigning, exit interviews and how to impress at your new company. Yes, and we even have a playlist for if you have an interview like tomorrow and you need just our most recommended episodes, just the ones you really need between now and then. Exactly. It is all there for you. You can browse by category. Check out the playlist at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash podcast. There's probably multiple people involved in hiring someone. You don't have the capacity to trick seven whole managers and HR. Sorry, you're not that powerful. Sis, you're not. You're not. Hey everyone and welcome back to Interview Boss. My name's Emma and I'm a radio journalist who's teamed up with my sister to give you advice, inspiration and support when you're looking for a new job. Sarah is a HR and recruitment professional and together we're excited to give you all the tips, tricks and behind the scenes knowledge to help you in your career. Hey Em and welcome back everyone. This week we have another caffeinated shout out. That's right, Ben skipped straight to the queue because when I got this notification today on my email, I wanted to kiss his feet. So lovely. He bought us eight coffees. And Emma sent this to our whole family, by the way, in our group chat. (laughs) And I said, Ben bought us eight coffees and everyone was feeling a bit not responsive, except good old dad replied. And he said, go Ben. Yeah, go Ben. (laughs) So Ben, you've had some encouragement from our dad, Paul. I hope that feels nice. Ben says, Dear Emma and Sarah, I don't know what I would have done without your podcast. You provided me with so much advice, support and encouragement. I love this because it feels like we spoke to Ben directly, like he's like talking as if we're, you know, friends and I love that. We encouraged Ben. I love the idea that people feel like we're talking to you, just you who's listening. Yeah. It's the best. He said, thanks to all your tips, I managed to prepare all of my applications and the job interview for my favorite position, which I was offered last week. Yay! I really liked all your episodes, though my favorite is probably the one about panel interviews. Yeah, a few people have mentioned that. Yeah, and this is funny because we did this only like somewhat recently and sort of maybe we're a bit late to the party to do it and thought, it's funny, sometimes we think episodes won't add a lot of value. I know. I didn't think that was very groundbreaking. Yeah, because it seems maybe more normal to us, but we forget that other people don't have all of our knowledge. And so sometimes we just miss episodes and then we do one and everyone's like, oh my God, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. He said, just yesterday, I was telling my best friend about the podcast and how much it helped me. Thanks so much for what you're doing. Cheers, Ben. I have a feeling Ben's an Aussie. I just get that vibe. Yeah, me too. I'm getting Aussie vibes. Let me know, Ben. Cheers, Ben. (laughs) (laughs) 
Um, I love that. And he told someone else about the show. And I think that's one of the strange things with a lot of podcasts. They'll go, oh, share it on social media. And I'm like, well, our listeners don't really want to because then their boss is going to see it and know that they're applying for jobs. So, (laughs) but once you've landed the job though, tell everyone, oh my God, how did you get that new job? And you'd be like, well, I have a secret for you and pass it on, pass that karma on to the next person. And if you want results like Ben, but you need a little bit more help getting there and you do want to actually meet Sarah via a webcam, you can book a one-on-one session with her. You can find out all about it at www.interviewboss.com.au forward slash coaching. Always a mouthful. And if you liked one of our episodes, you used one of our tips, or you want to request an episode on your situation, slide into our DMs, emails, messages, however you can get us, carry a pigeon, and we might do an episode for you or give you a shout out next month. And this is another episode brought to you by a request from one of our listeners. It was already on our list, but we've bumped it up the priority because it was requested. Yes, we're going to be talking about an old friend of mine, (laughs) imposter syndrome. What is imposter syndrome, Emma? Describe it from your perspective. It's when you doubt your abilities and you feel like a fraud and an imposter despite your accomplishments or despite the proof that you deserve to be there. And people can often describe a feeling like someone's going to knock on their door and tell them, the jig is up. We've found you. Time to stop pretending. You don't really deserve this. Or that their boss is going to say, you don't really know what you're doing, do you? Or fire them because they can't believe they've tricked their way to this job. So it can come up in a lot of different ways. Just found that it's a really common phenomenon, more than what you would think. And syndrome is probably not the right word for it, even though that's the most popular. It's not really a diagnosable thing. It's a state of mind. Yeah. It is present across different ages, gender, race, across the whole spectrum of different people, levels of success. No one is really immune or no category is really immune. But there have been research that suggests that it does disproportionately affect minorities. Ah, wonderful. Us women, people of colour, people in the LGBTQIA plus community. Great. As if we needed something else. (laughs) So it's a very universal experience, I guess, is the takeaway from that, but more likely to affect people who are in the minority. And when it comes to imposter syndrome, we can often suffer from pluralistic ignorance where we each doubt ourselves privately, but we think we're in the minority, but really everyone is going through it. Yes. That's, again, another different type of phenomenon. You can have pluralistic ignorance for lots of different things. You can think everybody thinks X and I think Y, and that's actually not the case. But in this case, you're thinking, oh, I've got this really intense imposter syndrome, like someone's going to catch me out and I don't deserve to be here. But nobody else thinks that. Everyone else in this room knows that they have the skills to be here. And that's not the case. Probably most of the room thinks that. Everyone that you talk to about imposter syndrome, in my experience, says back, oh, my God, I know, right? Like nobody goes, oh, that's really weird. I can't relate. I'm, I'm just so made for this. And I think it's different in different situations or different parts of your life maybe, but there's a TEDx talk by Lou Solomon. What I really liked about her TED talk is she talked about the fantastic four and these are kind of symptoms of imposter syndrome. So if you, so far you're like, no, I don't know if I've really experienced this, these four might resonate for you. Number one, anxiety. Okay, great. (laughs) Tick. (laughs) I've all experienced that when it comes to our career or some element of our life. Perfectionism is another way that this can show up. That's another old friend of mine. 
Yeah, because it's kind of like, oh, if I don't make any mistakes, then they won't catch me. If only I can do everything perfectly, then, you know, no one will find out. A quick note on this. This is funny and this might make people laugh. So (laughs) in my job, I'm a newsreader. I'm a journalist. I am literally telling hundreds of thousands of listeners information and it's up to me to get it right. So the one thing that I find difficult about my job is mistakes in my job are not just like, oh, you know, only the person you work with knows that you made a wrong sum in Excel. No, my mistakes are very public mistakes. I have to get on the record after in my next bulletin if I make a mistake and say, that is not the case as previously (laughs) reported. It's very humbling. And you know what I did it about the other day? Not something big and scary and like, it's not really a big consequence. Like lives are going to go on. But in Australia and New Zealand and some parts of the world, I'm not sure where else, but last night there was a total lunar eclipse and that's exciting news. I was writing a story being like, oh, locals can get a sight tonight from 8pm. The blood moon's going to be shining. And I said that it was the day, like tonight, when it was tomorrow night. Oh, no. (laughs) And then I was just so off myself. Our social media guy heard me say it and came in and was like, uh, mixed reports about when the eclipse is. And I was like, hang on. And then I quickly Googled it and I was reading so intently about times and where to see it and what's the best view and how long it'll last that I just overlooked what fucking day the actual eclipse was. And I was like, no. And then I had to get on the next hour and say, locals are looking forward to the eclipse tomorrow night. (laughs) It is not tonight as previously reported. And then, yeah, anyway, I was so off myself because it's such a stupid mistake. I love the idea that there's like a family with their little kids outside being like, come on kids. No, no, just a bit longer. I'm sure it's not far away. (laughs) Like, Emma told us it was tonight. And although, yeah, in the scheme of things, I didn't like report serious misinformation, but that's exactly what I was picturing. And I came home and told my partner, Joel, and we had a laugh together. And he's like, oh, there's going to be some sore necks tonight sticking their head out the window. Where is it? (laughs) And then on the actual night of the eclipse, which was last night, He and I went to the beach to go watch it and we went to go get fish and chips, drove around and then picked it up, drove to the beach, had a blanket, the whole thing. And I just brought up the mistake thing again and I was like, oh God, I still can't believe that happened. And he's like, imagine if there were people last night that did what we're doing now, like fully went to go get fish and chips, got the picnic mat and I was like, don't. Yeah, but did you say what time it was? Because they would have had to look it up as to what time it was. I did say the time. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, so my perfectionistic self hated that, but I hope that gave you a laugh. Um, Yeah, it did. Journalists aren't immune from mistakes. The next symptom of imposter syndrome is self-doubt. I can't do this. I'm going to stuff this up. All those types of things um, might show up as a symptom of imposter syndrome. Or you might have a fear of failure and be just terrified about the results of anything or the outcomes or anything like that. And I saw a couple of points that said, when you have a success, instead of being excited and delighted and over the moon, you're relieved that it's not a failure. So if any of those relate to you, you might be experiencing imposter syndrome. Okay. So our listener, Briani sent this in. This is who the episode was sort of inspired by. And she said, I'm happy to negotiate hard in the moment, especially because once they've offered me the job and I know I'm the first preference. 
Now that I have the good salary, I'm feeling anxious to start or do the job because I think I've tricked them into giving me all this money and what are they going to think of me when I can't perform to this standard? I also think this is heightened by the fact that I've never had an internal promotion and so my pay rises have always come from them not actually knowing me and just being desperate to hire. Oh, sis, you're suffering hard from imposter syndrome. It's just not true. I don't even know her and I just know it's not true. I've tricked them into giving me all this money. That's my favourite line. That's my favourite line. And we'll come back to some of this. Riani, let me tell you, you're not a master manipulator, babe. You don't have those (laughs) skills. You just don't. Maybe one of these strategies, and we will kind of come back to this later, is to use the imposter syndrome with your manipulation abilities. <laughs> if you're not really that good, well then maybe you're also not really that good at tricking people or manipulating people. Therefore you haven't tricked And them. not just one person. There's probably multiple people involved in hiring someone. You don't have the capacity to trick seven <laughs> whole managers and HR. Sorry, you're not that powerful. Sis, you're not. True. You're not. And so that might be a strange logic trick to logic your way out of it. But we're going to go through some other ways to think about imposter syndrome and then finish up with some things that you can actually do. And we'll come back to using Briani's example and what she might be able to do. Hey, Job Hunters, big news. Our all new course, Interview Academy, is live and ready to transform your interview game. It's all the strategies from Sarah's one-on-one coaching, but without the limited time slots. Yep, it takes you step by step by step through crafting your career story, coming up with your awesome best bits and all the practice you need. And guess what? It's at a special launch price, never to be seen again. Get more information at interviewboss.com.au forward slash interview dash academy. It's linked in the show notes below. But first, let's talk about our own experience with imposter syndrome. Yes. You go first. Oh, me first. Okay. I think I've experienced this probably less in my main professional career because the people that I've been around, I've been able to do things and pick things up. And like the evidence has kind of been like, well, you're actually all right at this. When I was fired from my recruitment job, that really brought up a lot of this. Like I was fully thinking maybe I've only ever been good at school and I'll never be good in the real world. Maybe I'm like book smart and none of that will translate into a career at all. Fully went through that. When it comes to the podcast and all of this stuff and giving advice to people. Oh, imposter syndrome for days. Your imposter syndrome has been rearing its ugly head, I feel, since you've embarked on this podcast journey where there's no one to hide behind the company or other people. It's just you steering the ship and you calling the shots and having to back yourself. And any decision that someone disagrees with, with the whole podcast or the whole thing is it's me. (laughs) So yeah, completely. And there's a strange thing about it when it's just our listeners. I feel like I can give good advice and I think I can help people. It's when it comes to like the idea of someone else who does my same job or my same level of experience or more listening and being like, oh my God, that's such bad advice. That's what I get really worried about. If someone else hearing it and being like, who does she think she is with half as many years experience as me giving advice to people? I struggle a lot with that. And so I don't post on LinkedIn as much as I used to because there's so many other people out there saying things 
that maybe I disagree with or that they would maybe disagree with me. And I'm just terrified of having a comment from one of them being like, that's a terrible idea. You shouldn't say that. And being like, oh, <laughs> sorry, I take it all back. I'd come into bat for you. I'll start a fight in the LinkedIn comments. <laughs> but what if they're like some amazing person that I really look up to? I don't think my ego would recover. So there we go. That's my experience of imposter syndrome. Em, what about you? Mm, I have had a lot of imposter syndrome, mainly starting my career. I like to think I'm pretty confident, pretty shoot your shot, pretty go with it, hustle, you know, didn't have too much in uni and stuff, bit of a go-getter, but definitely starting my job, it happened really fast. I think I wasn't even a week graduated from uni. I asked for a week off to go have a little holiday to just take a moment. And then I came back and my work was in a really tricky place. Like the only senior journalist had resigned after a few weeks of me being there. So she was quickly trying to train me and there was no one else there. So within, I think, like two weeks or something, even less maybe, they were like, okay, we need you to work on your own now. And by all means, that probably was like a little quick I'm not totally unreasonable for feeling a bit. We'll get to something later where it's like, actually, you are an imposter. Yeah. (laughs) So it's all right. Yeah. But I was freaking out. I was so stressed. Oh, my God, I can't do this. Like, I didn't sign up for this. I don't know anything, even though I've... Didn't you break out in hives the first few times you read live on air? Yes, I broke (laughs) out in hives. I was shaking. I was beside myself. And also another thing that I found really hard was there was a lot of people before me, you know, work friends, colleagues that had sort of tried to make it in news and it just didn't really work out. Not because they weren't so talented, but, you know, there was not a job opening or there wasn't the space to hire someone. Just really, there was a couple of really unfortunate situations that I saw people before me go through. And I was so worried that like, I felt almost this guilt that I had got the opportunity and other people hadn't and who's to say I'm better than them and it didn't come down to that. A lot of it was hard work getting there but a lot of it was also right place, right time. Yeah, that they were hiring, it just worked, I slipped in and so I had this intense guilt and imposter syndrome of like I'm not cut out for this. Like all these other people, you know, have missed out before and now it's on me and I know nothing. And also the imposter syndrome of, like I said, my job carries a lot of weight. I'm telling thousands of people information, you know, being terrified of legally saying the wrong thing. You have to say allegedly all the time and all this stuff. I was just, oh my God, I don't think I could have had more imposter syndrome. And then more recently, I have started freelance writing and started, I've always done a bit of it, but I've started doing it as a side hustle, billing people for money. I used to do it for free. And so recently when somebody asked me to quote them for doing a number of articles, I had no idea. And I was again, the imposter syndrome because I had only ever done it for free. I know that I'm amazing and I'm good at it and I deserve to be paid good and I need to charge what I'm worth, you know, long gone are the days of doing it for exposure but I was fighting demons sending off that invoice. If you think you don't have imposter syndrome, try and price yourself and not in like a job way because I think that's a bit different because it's like there are established guidelines and there's a market and you can research and whatever. Pricing my coaching sessions with me, like I find that incredibly difficult. Still to this day, I think I always will. I find it ridiculous because I am like, oh, just help them for free. And I can't because I don't actually have that much time and I can't do that. And I see all these other people offering essentially the same thing or less 
for way more money and it still doesn't convince me that my sessions are worth it. Which, by the way, they totally are. Read the testimonials page. And so what we're trying to tackle here in this part of the episode is that what we talked about before, the pluralistic ignorance, and we're trying to show you other people suffer from this too, most other people, regardless of their achievements. And so lovely little segue there. And I think they can both exist. Like I can recognize my achievements and be really proud of them and know that I'm a hardworking journalist and also have imposter syndrome. Like having imposter syndrome doesn't mean that you don't think you've done anything good ever. It's not like low self-esteem. Yeah. No, it means that the two can coexist. You know you're great, but sometimes the intrusive thoughts take over and it gets overwhelming. And so I wanted us to go into a couple of experts, famous people, people you might know who you might be surprised to find out have openly talked about struggling with imposter syndrome. So our very first example is the one and only Michelle Obama, who is an attorney, an author, who was also first lady of the United States. Is she an attorney? Wow. Yeah. And I didn't want to, I love that you picked up on that. I didn't want to be like, Barack Obama's wife, because that's not what she is. She's more than that. Exactly. She said in her talk, she's got a whole YouTube video that I'll link down below that you can check out if you're interested in hearing more from her. She said, much of what it is and where it comes from is what you practice telling yourself. And she talked about thinking you wouldn't be here if you didn't belong here. Someone else has chosen or someone else has invited you. You're here for a reason. I think if we go back to Briani, the people that run the business or your manager hired you, they picked you. So trust them in you being there for a reason. And Michelle Obama also talked about overcoming it actually comes with age. And she talked about thinking back to all the other times that you felt like, oh, I'm not smart enough. I don't fit in. Everyone else is better than me. And when you worked out after being there, hold on a second, they're all the same. They're all like me. I'm okay. Remember back to those times where you struggled with imposter syndrome and then later realized, hold on a sec. She actually gave an example. She goes, I've been in plenty of boardrooms and I thought, oh, I'm not meant to be here. And then she got there and went, actually, he's not meant to be here. (laughs) And it's not me. It's this guy over here who's way too confident is the one that's actually not cut out for being here. So think back to those times and challenge yourself with that. Now, Mike Cannon-Brooks, co-CEO of Atlassian, he says, other people feel it too. I knew I was an imposter. I decided to try and turn that into a force for good. You're here, so you should probably just keep going. He talked about the fact that he really was an imposter. He started a company straight out of uni with a mate, had to hire a head of HR, had never worked in a company where they ever had HR before. They won all these awards. They went globally to these award things. And he was in all these other situations where he was like, I genuinely am an imposter. I'm completely out of my depth. But other people feel that way too, who've achieved way more than me. And so try and turn that into a force for good. What can you do to learn and grow and fill that gap for yourself. So one of the examples he gave was being randomly drawn into a renewable energy battery debate with Elon Musk on Twitter. And he kept being asked for comments by journalists and things, thinking that he was some expert or knowledgeable in renewable energy. And so he decided to do a heap of research and speak to a whole bunch of people and get the national conversation going, even though he knew nothing about it. And he was like, great, I'm going to find out. Rather than going, oh, sorry, oh, I don't know, oh, I don't know anything about this. He went, cool, well, I'll learn. I'll get back to (laughs) you. And then I'll comment. 
Hey, Job Hunters, big news. Our all-new course, Interview Academy, is live and ready to transform your interview game. It's all the strategies from Sarah's one-on-one coaching, but without the limited time slots. Yep, it takes you step-by-step-by-step through crafting your career story, coming up with your awesome best bits, and all the practice you need. And guess what? It's at a special launch price, never to be seen again. Get more information at interviewboss.com.au forward slash interview dash academy. It's linked in the show notes below. Yeah. Einstein equals MC squared for the fellow nerds. (laughs) He said, the exaggerated esteem in which my life work is held makes me very ill at ease. I feel compelled to think of myself as an involuntary swindler. How good's that? That's a direct quote. To decode this a bit, it kind of hurts my brain. I think he's saying, the hype everyone gives his work for being legendary, because it was, makes him feel sick. And (laughs) he really just feels like he's a big imposter. And you know what that made me think of where he says as an involuntary swindler, I thought of the Tinder swindler who's like a big scammer. So he's saying, I feel like a big idiot who's scamming people. So if Einstein, the greatest scientist of all time, thinks that. Thinks he's no better than a Tindler swindler. It's all good. Did I say Tindler? Tindler. Tinder swindler. Have you watched that? Yeah. That's my recommendation. Everyone watch it. It is wild. Yeah. I love all that stuff. Anyone about like someone hiding things. Actually, that's probably actually very relevant to this episode is all of those shows and documentaries about people who were genuinely, genuinely imposters and got away with it. The Tinder swindler got all this money from all these women he dated who paid for his exaggerated lifestyle. Inventing Anna, same thing. What about The Dropout, the one about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos? Amazing. What about We Crashed, the one about WeWork? Same thing. What was that big festival, fire festival, where it was a big (laughs) Oh, yeah, same thing. This completely unbridled confidence that they did not deserve to have and they made it actually pretty far. That's the thing. Like they're actual imposters. Which I think feeds in, can I just say, to this fake it till you make it belief. I am so for it. Like that is what I did 100% in the first three months of my job. I was so terrified and had no idea, but I would just tell myself, you've got it. No, we're just going to get through. We'll work it out. And that's what I would do. Every new hurdle, look it up, call someone, work it out. And obviously those people that we just mentioned did it a very highly inflated degree, but it's the same concept. Well, actually, I think the lesson here is that they probably would have benefited from a little bit of imposter syndrome because that actually might have made them check in with some advice for some other people on the way out rather than ignoring everyone's input. Now, this one I loved and I kept it till last because I thought it was a bit of a different way of thinking about this. So this is from Seth Godin, who's an entrepreneur, best-selling author and all-round great person to follow if you're interested in marketing and entrepreneurship and things. He talked about the fact that you can't get rid of imposter syndrome. You can't, you shouldn't try and you shouldn't really want to get rid of it either because what he says and his reflection on where it comes from is that, well, have you done this before? And I think back to you with being on the radio for the first time, if your brain's thinking, well, have we done this before? No, we haven't done this before. This is new. So how can I not be an imposter when this is genuinely new? Like you kind of are in a way. And I guess 
that's where that feeling is coming from because there will always be things you haven't done before and that's why you get that feeling. He says, it means you're onto something. It means you're doing something new. If you did the same stuff all the time, sure, you might feel really confident. You might avoid imposter syndrome, but you won't ever do anything new or grow or learn or challenge yourself. So it's a good thing and you shouldn't try and get rid of it. We shouldn't be afraid of not knowing everything. Yeah. In some ways, it's healthy to feel a bit like, oh, God, out of my depths a bit here. And then once you do it, that's no longer a part that you have imposter syndrome for because you're like, right, I have some experience in that. Exactly. And that leads me on to the other thing that Seth Godin said was that you should remind yourself of what you have done before and not necessarily about, hey, I've been on radio before or with Briani, hey, I've had this high paid job before. How have you been creative before? How have you solved a problem before? How have you learnt something new before or been in a new job and lived up to expectations before? Think about those examples that you can generalise. If you've done it before, you can do that again. Absolutely. And to sum it up and just a little key take-home message, nobody knows what the hell they're doing. Mm -hmm. I threw myself in there as an expert because I (laughs) thought I'll just tail it off with something that I've noticed. And the more people I've spoken to, the more that relate to this. The longer my career is, every single month, every single year of my career, the more I see, the more people I'm exposed to, different industries, different people, nobody knows what they're doing. Nobody does. The people at the top, the people you think are smart, the people who've got all these levels of experience, all these years of experience, they're just making it up as they go along as well. And the more you reveal that, you're like, wow, well, if they don't know what they're doing either and they got to there, Well, why can't I get to there too? Yeah, it's comforting. Solidarity. It is comforting. It's also kind of worrying that you're like, nobody, like who's in charge? Nobody knows what they're doing. Do you know what I think lately? I see TikToks often about nurses. I saw a TikTok and the girl made it being like, my mum's in the hospital and she wants to keep telling the nurses that I'm a nurse. And the the daughter's being like, oh my God, no, that's embarrassing. They don't care. And the mum's like, you know how mums just want to say like, ah! She's studying. She's a nurse. And then the mum eventually said it or whatever. And then everyone in the comments was being like, oh, my God, my mum does this too. And then all the comments were like, not my mum boasting about me being a nurse when I'm a student. Or And then there was heaps saying, not my mum boasting that I'm a nurse, but I literally know nothing. Hey, like it's that feeling after you complete a degree or something and you're like, I feel like all the knowledge just left my head. Like I don't remember anything anymore. And also because unpopular opinion, education is great. I value it so much. It's the key to everything in this world, but you kind of finish a degree and feel useless until you do it in the field. You know, like on one hand, I'm like, obviously my university degree is so valuable. I learned so much, but also in the scheme of things, I learned nothing until I had that job. I mean, I get it and I felt the same way, but there's a quote that I like, a mind once stretched by a new idea can never go back to its original dimensions. You can't possibly go back to how you thought and how you felt and the way that you looked at things before your degree. You'll never be able to go back to that. And it's hard for you to compare because it's hard to measure or compute, but you came out a different way of looking at the world. I guarantee it. Totally. But now since working, it's an even different understanding and stretch. So segue, what should we do about it, Emma? What should we do about imposter syndrome if we're really struggling and what should Briani do? If it's crippling you, she should talk about it. Get a friend, ration it out loud and you'll have a friend that will go, um, are you kidding? And they'll rattle off all the amazing things that you've done and you'll be like, oh yeah. And it just helps get you out of your head. And just to have someone that you look up to 
talk about them experiencing it as well, that can really help someone in your life who's like, oh my God, I feel like that all the time. That can really help. Even if they're colleagues at work, if you can get on that level with them, that's really going to make you feel like, oh, I'm not alone. And this is not like a unique thing to me. Definitely. And like we said, revisit the facts and challenge the lies. Hang on. Could I have manipulated six people that went into this decision? Would they have given me that much money if I wasn't worth it? And little side note, businesses don't like giving people any more money than they absolutely have to. Side note. And revisit all your best bits. And what I loved about reading about this, one person suggested, imagine you had to prove that thought in court. Like I tricked these people into giving me more money. Cool. Prove it. In court. You're in front of a judge. You're in front of a jury. Where's the proof? Well, what have you got? Show me the proof. Yeah. And realistically, when you examine it like that and look at the facts and you challenge those thoughts that you have, sometimes it can be a bit easier to realize that actually you don't have any evidence for that at all. And check in on your self-talk. Do you have some deeply rooted perfectionistic beliefs about yourself? You base your self-worth in how much you're achieving or something. And yeah, just check in that we're not aiming for perfection. We're aiming for progress. And paying attention to this is a really good thing to do. Like I'm so hard on myself. If I make a mistake, oh my God, of course you did that again. How could you possibly have missed that? And I've caught it more recently and been like, oh my God, stop being so mean. (laughs) I forgive myself. It's okay. And the thing I love is imagine, would you say that to the four-year-old version of yourself? That makes me so sad to think about. Someone else suggested naming that mean voice in your head, the mean girl in your head, give her a name. Aim for progress, not perfection. This is a big one. Don't think about, I have to do this all perfectly because actually that can hold you back. And if you're in an area where you're doing something new, if you had to M, have your first newsread be perfect, you would have completely agonized about it. Oh, it was never going to happen. No. Or refuse to go on the air. So don't aim for perfection, aim for progress and learning. Stay in a growth mindset. Absolutely. And to sum up, reinforce what our mate Seth said. Don't worry about getting rid of it. Do it anyway. I love that. It's empowering. Do the thing anyway. And for Briani, you don't have to get rid of your imposter syndrome at all. You just have to do the job anyway. That's it. And know that other people suffer from it too. It's a good thing. It means you're doing something good. This goes for intrusive thoughts in general. The aim isn't to eliminate them. It's to not believe them and to carry on anyway. And if that rings a bell... We call it here on Interview Boss. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot your shot anyway. I literally wouldn't be here if I didn't shoot my shot a million times. (laughs) And sometimes it works out. A lot of the time. That's it. Thanks so much for listening to Interview Boss. If you like hearing the sound of our voices, hit that subscribe button in Apple or follow on Spotify, or better yet, tell someone else about the show just like Ben did. That's how we can hit the charts so we can help even more people. For more advice, inspiration, and a supportive community, check us out on Instagram at Interview Boss. We've been your job search besties and helped you in some way. There's a cool way you can support the show. Shout us a virtual coffee. We get a huge kick out of reading all of your success stories. Head to buymeacoffee.com forward slash interview boss and shout us a cuppa. If you keep us caffeinated, we can keep the content coming.